Welcome to Lawyers Living Well, a production of the State Bar of Georgia's Attorney Wellness Committee and the Lawyers Assistance Program. Lawyers, this is your resource for all things wellness. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyers Assistance Program of the State Bar of Georgia, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Damon Elmore, Executive Director of the State Bar and a graduate of Emory Law School like myself. Damon is also a past president of the Bar's Young Lawyers Division and former member of the Bar's Board of Governors and Executive Committee. So Damon, you are no stranger to Georgia lawyers and their needs. Am I right? That's right. Welcome, I'm very very glad to have you here. Um, Lots of questions that you and I have talked about. There's lots going on as usual. Uh, But the first one I wanna ask, because I've always wondered this, you know, I knew from the first time I talked to you, I hadn't even laid eyes on you, it was on the phone that you had an understanding, a real true understanding of the need for wellness initiatives for our lawyers and a commitment to their realization. And I always wondered why is that? Yeah, let me let me start by saying thank you, uh, Lynn. I wanna thank you for having me and, and for making it uh, time uh, to have me and certainly for the work that you've done. I'm so grateful for it and all of the other elements of our programs and key contributions along the way from people like you Javon Hicks, Shandina Morris, um, Judge Hodges, Robin Frazier-Clark, Bob Kaufman, Elizabeth Fight, and then our volunteers on the committee. It's a big deal and it's working, so, so thanks for that. As for the question, I, I, I love Georgia lawyers. Um, I've known quite a few in my career uh, through that role as the YLD president, just the general work around the state and making sure that I have taken a serious interest since the start of my work as executive director. And I know that that doesn't seem like it's been a long time, but it's been a long enough time to make issues of wellness and serious matters like this sort of a priority in the work that we do. I think that matching that with my interest in my work in the area of HR and people that I did throughout my career too, also shines a light on other aspects of the human interaction. And so I think that that makes it a key priority. And since the start of my work as executive director in January, 2021, it was at a pivotal time of the COVID pandemic's evolution and impact. So issues of isolation, threat, worry, uh, were all top of mind and, and they were forced to the top of the agenda list uh, with the work that we did. So so it has been important and it has been uh, thrust to the top of the list and, and we'll continue to keep it there. Not to mention the advocacy that you all do. We, we listen to what you all say and, and take it seriously. That feels very good to hear. Thank you. You know, you talk about the the urgency and, and the ratcheting up of the pandemic. Um, well, we sadly, very sadly and tragically have another reason for some urgency in the legal community in Georgia right now. You know, as much stigma as there is towards mental illness and substance use in the white community, and there is a lot, there is that much more in the black community. And considering that we are losing Black lawyers to suicide, we have lost Black lawyers to suicide in 2022 already. 
the question that is really urgent to me is what can be done to change things? What can be done to change that attitude of stigma to bust the myth? And it is a myth that asking for help is weak. While in reality, it's one of the most courageous things that anybody, any place, any time can ever do, ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is a tough one, mainly because you know that two days ago from our recording, we funeralized a classmate of mine uh, whose death was by suicide. And so thinking about this and thinking about ways that we can help have been top of mind for the past three days and certainly the last 48 hours or so. I think, I think that's right. I believe there is a stigma with the issue of death by suicide and perhaps needing help. I think that that's where the challenge comes in that we, we worry that we need help. But those, those parts are not solely unique to the black community. And so I started wondering if it was actually more complicated than that, right? And, and let me explain. I'm not a therapist. Uh, I have read articles, but not done extensive research, nor, nor do I proclaim to really speak on behalf of the entire Black experience of the Black community. But I'm thinking of my own experiences, and I'm thinking of the interactions with my friends, and I feel, Lynn, there may be more to it. So I think of only just my family and how there was a 180 degree difference or view on wellness or care. Men on my mother's side in low country, South Carolina, that worked with their hands and took pride in their work. Uh, there was a heavy degree of machismo from those men. But I also look back and wonder when would they have had the time to make time to devote to therapy or wellness? You know, they couldn't to protect they needed to look for work. Oftentimes alcohol was the solution and especially alcohol as part of a ritual with other friends that could relate. And so those discussions sort of created a safe space and maybe that was their attempt to get help. But I don't think other hurt people are the best at helping people. And so it became a challenge. And there were so many other influences, you know, the church, can tell you how you should approach life. Movies can paint a picture about how males should interact. Those influences were heavy then, and, and I think that they continue to exist today. And my God, I can only imagine how difficult it had to be for my great grandparents. And, and then those are experiences or lessons that are passed down directly or indifferently, because you just don't know better. Now, counter that with my father's side educators with early childhood experiences in New York and then Savannah. They hung around people of the arts, literature, sciences, business, and psychologists. So their influences were different. Their discussions and approaches were different. Their access and resources were different. But I fast forward to our times, and I think we still bear some burdens, especially males, and our, our call or need or demand to provide, um, and maybe even a greater perception as lawyers that we have to provide at a level that's equivalent to the accomplishment of our peers. So I would say, yes, it, it is tough. And the data shows that it's difficult to encourage help all the way around. There, there are additional stressors or pressures that are carried to 
some may be perceived, I, I second guess a lot of things in the world, but that's a greater difficulty for me, just always wondering if this was caused because of this or that decision was made because of that. That's tough to bear, but many are very clear. And, and so those are challenges for friends that look like me, for my children, for their friends, and, and, and my nephew. So then I wonder, I wonder if the answer is not just with the individual and their willingness to ask for help. I wonder if the conditions are set for them to do it and that they can feel okay doing it. I wonder if the right resources are available. Watch this. I wonder if, as I think you mentioned in your article, people are listening lovingly. And if we take the time to hear and believe people, if we appreciate that everyone has experiences that are different, and that's fine, to not have solutions for them or a fix, which I am horrible with. You ask me a question, I'm going to I'm a, I'm a have a fix for it. I love that commercial. You're a lawyer. <laughs> where, right. I'm going to have a fix. So, so I wonder that in addition to making sure that this stigma is, is eliminated, that it's okay to ask for help, that if the environment was better, whether we would, whether we would see some change. So you, you got me at a point where I'd been thinking about a lot of those things over the last few days. And so I'll continue to give thought to it and, and see what we can find out. You know, I've been thinking about it a lot too. One thing that I think, and I'll, I'll see what you think about this, I, and I've been hearing from people, one thing that seems to help at all levels is when they hear someone be very open in conversation about some, like really being in a state of despair mm -hmm. and how that feels and how they came out of it and what care maybe they did have access to, what they didn't have access to, but the authenticity and the reality of somebody speaking mm -hmm. on those topics. What do you think about that? So I think that's right. I think even with this recent example, I heard stories of how the person who we memorialized was an amazing influencer and teacher and cared for so many other people and helped them through times of despair by listening and relating and encouraging and not having an agenda with it. You know, your mom giving you feedback is different than somebody that has no skin in the game. So I do think that that type of environment is very important. It's a it's a safe space that I think allows things to really kind of grow and, and they get nurtured. Um, and then the fruit that's that's yielded is is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. What you're talking about, and I have had two people in mind to talk to to interview on the podcast in coming weeks, is emotional intelligence. It's not right. that's not a concept that a lot of lawyers even know. But there are studies that say that's a greater predictor of success than any other kind of intelligence. And there are a lot of us, and myself included, you know, who need to learn more about it and, and to work on that. Um, you know, you talked about think people are not doing well two years into the pandemic, two years on. You know, I hear just anecdotally, it seems that people are possibly doing worse than ever. 
under the strains. Uh, it includes things like maybe going back in person is, is a strain of its own kind, still being under issues of elder care, child care, you know, that haven't let up, just all kinds of things. So this is an important question. What have you done to take care of yourself during these ups and downs during the last two years? But what are you doing now, especially two years on? And when you answer, could you please talk about this from a mental, physical and social perspective? Because those are all focuses of the Lawyers Living Well webpage on the State mm -hmm. Bar's website, which is a really good resource. Yeah, sure. Sometimes I wonder, Lynn, if I'm being honest, that I've been white knuckling it. Since October 2019, for me, uh, my mother passed away. COVID happened. My daughter was in a serious automobile accident. I made a career change and interstate move, and I jumped into um, a new role with most of the team being remote. So that's a lot of stuff that people can allow to take for granted or miss because they're just focused on the thing that's in front of them if they're not careful. So it's been important for me to keep exercise as a priority. Everyone that's talked to me for more than five minutes knows that I'm a big cyclist and I do things with a bike and I share the goal that I have in order to keep me accountable. And so it works and it helps. So that has been a big issue. I stopped drinking nine years ago. And I'm sure that that for me has made a difference. I'm clearer, I've made better decisions. I've not missed opportunity. I've been present when historically my presence was necessary. And I've been keeping, I'm, I'm, I'm richer too as a result of it, um, but I've been keeping diligent in those areas. And I feel that that makes a difference. I have a great group of people that root for me, Lynn, Joni, Gary, Ken, Ray, Deirdre, Reggie, my sister Meredith, they are, they don't get paid for the support that they give me. Well, Ray does. He's actually my accountant, which is ironically. <laughs> um, so how he could help me there and, and, you know, um, tell me the real deal is, is unique, but they, they are, they are good folk that do, as you said, they do more listening and then you get away from the conversation and you're like, man, was really helpful. She was very helpful. And so I think that that has been a big deal. I love my work and I partnered with some amazing team leaders here with Paula and Sarah and Ron and Sandra and our volunteer leaders. So that has made this work go well. So I'm very fortunate there. I embrace the concept of therapy and having a therapist and, and I make it a priority, although I am overdue um, to see my guy, Dennis. But I learned a long time ago. So I started seeing Dennis probably in 2010, maybe even earlier than that. And I went originally to Dennis through an EAP program that had an offering with the company that I was working for. And even after I left, I started paying him privately. But, but I will tell you that I have learned through mistake that just going and regurgitating your feelings to a therapist is not enough. Um, there is work that has to happen afterward. Um, the journaling, the meditating, the asking yourself questions, the fact that you have to adopt new skills and make change. And for people that don't like making change, especially to themselves, 
uh, it can be hard. And maybe it's it's a, an encumbrance to a lot of people to go through the process. But if you get there and you are willing and open to making those change, it's just opened up a whole bunch of stuff, uh, in my opinion. And I'm so grateful for that as an option. But I'll also tell you, I turned 50 last year. And I, I think that's I think that's part of it. I, I think I have all of a sudden developed a deeper understanding of the ability to accept the things that I cannot change. And it feels really, really good. But all of those things kind of come together. And that doesn't mean there aren't bad days. It doesn't mean there aren't difficult situations. It's just chances to take breaths, to see the world differently on my bike to put things in perspective, uh, to have people that uh, are cheerleaders, and then to just get down and actually do the work that I ultimately see makes a difference. So that's my routine. That is one of the richest answers I have ever heard to a question like that. And I am so grateful that this is being recorded because at many different points, I wanted to scramble and say, wait, wait, what did he, you know, I, I need to remember and I want to re react and I want to respond. And I can listen to it at my leisure. That was, that was an amazing answer. It was inspirational to me. There are a lot of things I can relate to as well. You know, when you talk about the work of therapy, mm -hmm. boy, is it work, mm -hmm. right? It is work. And people wonder sometimes why people don't want to do it. Well, it's hard, you know, yeah, even, right. even the negative coping skills that I've had, you know, the overeating. Well, I have a comfort level with that. Right. You know, that's a known quantity. I know how it's going to feel. I know what it's going to do. It, it's not going to be good, right. but you know, it, it's an addiction and a habit and, and I'm comfortable with it to go in the opposite direction is that's the work. Yeah. You know? Well, and you add on that for me, I, I was, I was going through therapy based on relationship uh, that ultimately ended in divorce. And so not only do you have these things that you're coping, but this is about you. And you know what? I, it was hard to accept at the time, but it is about me and the feelings that I would have and the changes that would become about for me and the way that I would be able to develop more meaningful relationships later on, um, the way that I would be able to be better as a parent uh, for my kids uh, later on. So I, I think that, you know, and once you do the work, you'll see the you'll see the change. You will. You'll see some some good results. You know, the one of the things you said also about turning 50 and you know, accepting the things you cannot change. When I was in the hospital in Baltimore, one of the things that I came away with was I've never forgotten it. You can argue with reality and you will lose, but only a hundred percent of the time. You know, it's basically the same thing. It's like, right. okay, you you can knock your head against that wall. You just keep right on doing it right. and see what you're going to get back. You're going to lose. You're yeah. going to lose 100% yeah. of the time. Yeah, no, I've, I've loved that. I've loved that. Well, you know, you've offered a lot of information about what people can do. I want to ask you about some of the resources that the State Bar offers. I want to know what you think about them and whether you might want to think of anything to add. 
Um, and I know you know them well, but not everybody does. The state bar offers what hashtag use your six has you know been out there on social media for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's the six prepaid sessions with a licensed clinical counselor every calendar year. You know that's really been a wonderful thing for folks. I, I think the utilization rate is higher than it's ever been. It's a good thing and a bad thing. You know I'm mm-hmm. sorry that people need it, but I'm glad it's there. The peer program, which is an online peer-to-peer matching program, we're the only state in the country that has this online. So for example, somebody in Statesboro can find somebody in Atlanta who has walked their walk and, and talked to somebody and they don't have to live near each other. And then all the wellness resources that are on the, the website that uh, are promoted very, very well. Is there anything you'd like to see improved or added? to any of that? No, I, I, I think before we start adding to things particularly, I think there's room for improvement for sure. But I think before we start adding, I think we've got to make sure that our membership are taking advantage of these resources. And I think that here's where we can make the improvement, being sure that they are aware of those resources. Sometimes I wonder if we you know, sometimes you'll talk about something that you know the answer to and you think, why does everybody not just do what is there? It's right there. But you know what we've learned recently, Lynn, is that it's not that easy. I mean, for one thing, it is this issue of asking for and needing help. We are clear and we recognize that some people are oftentimes skeptical that by asking for help with the resources that are available at the bar, it may lead to uh, discipline or something else down the line. And that's one of those ones where you catch me on a day and you just want to say, that's not true, that's not true. But I'm, but I'm empathetic to that and I get that and I, and I probably would feel the same way. So I think the work on our part is being better at making sure that people feel comfortable with that. We have heard that people want expanded resources, that these programs are tougher in smaller or rural areas where there may only be one counselor. And so people may be a little worried that my business will get back in the street. Um, And so we get that. So Core Care, our partner, particularly on the User 6, is helping us there. You're right about- Telehealth is the answer to that, you know. Telehealth is the answer to that. And, and, you know, um, I was skeptical of telehealth, uh, particularly for this, before. And, but then I was also skeptical of remote work too, until we were forced to kind of do it. Um, but I, but I think that even if it doesn't, if it feels different, you got to do something, but you're right. If the issues are, you're worried about the small community, or you're worried that, you know, you would prefer a female or a male or somebody that's had life experiences, like you've had someone who's Christian, someone who is uh, married, or whatever it is you think that might be better uh, to the partnership, then then that gives you that opportunity. So we are going to continue to do the work that we need to do to make sure that everyone is aware of the resources that we have. We'll be patient and understanding with people if they still feel that it might be a trick. I think this is one of those beating your head up with reality things. The alternative is worse. So if you don't get the help, and your career and your practice is affected, you can be sure that then there may be some consequences there. So, so getting the help is one of those ones that will, will avoid uh, people getting in that situation. But we're gonna keep preaching it. We're gonna keep improving it with the feedback that we get. 
We'll keep offering it. We'll keep telling our stories. We'll keep listening to other people's stories and, and making those tweaks and improvements before we decide what else needs to be done. I agree with all of that and appreciate you saying all of that. I have one question in particular. My baby, if you will, has been the peer program, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer volunteer program. And that has been a hard and heavy lift. And I don't understand it. I don't understand why people aren't utilizing that more. You know, some people prefer not to go to a therapist. That's fine. But they would like to talk to a colleague who's at least walked. The, they know what it feels like to be a lawyer. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you can also match with somebody who's done other, you know, if you've got issues of alcohol, if it, whatever, you, you know, there's all kinds of choices out there for uh, people to be matched with, but it's been a real heavy lift to get people to use it. Why do you think that is? I, I really just feel that people are worried about being judged or um, having their weaknesses shared or the fact that they need help, even though the peers that are assigned are have been there and they know exactly how people might be feeling and they can certainly help. I, I think resources like that are good for people that are early in their career so they stay on a good path and not go off a bad path. But those resources are also good for people that feel that they might've gotten off of a path and there's not a lot of hope. I just think that there's just the human nature and a lot of skepticism about people being judged or again, just that core feeling that as lawyers we don't need help we don't ask for help we're the fixers we, we're the ones that make the change and that is whether you are a litigator or you are doing uh, corporate transactional work uh, whether you are outside of the traditional areas of practice of law because we are also very diverse in, in our work i just think that that's the kind of sentiment that might be at the core but we're going to dig into it and we are going to make sure that we keep preaching it. Yeah, you made me think of something. Um, this is a slight segue, but it's something you said. I had a colleague mention a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago, I think it was, that she used a word I might not have used, but I get the concept that some of us are just neurotic. She said mm. that when the email comes in, <laughs> we go into... I've got to answer it. I have to answer it right now. If I don't answer it right now, they're not going to love me. They're not going to like me. They're not going to think I'm a good lawyer. Uh, they're going to go to a different you know, law firm. They're not going to be my client anymore. And I thought about that for a minute and I said, oh my gosh, that's me. That's yeah. me. My blood pressure goes up. My heart starts beating faster. And I realized, you know, as much as I talk about wellness and, and changing the culture and changing systems and this and that, that's my work. That nothing in that email said, Lynn, I need this in 10 seconds. Nothing. Right. right. In fact, I've I've created the monster. I'm the one who right. decided that I needed to respond because that was my value, you know, right. to be the most responsive human being that ever set foot on the earth. Right. And I created a monster because now there's an expectation. Um, and that is something I think a lot of lawyers do. Uh, what do, Have you experienced that? What do you think about that? I, I think that that's fair. And that kind of gets back to what we talked about earlier about these pressures or these stressors that are sometimes perceived and we start to overthink. 
But, you know, sometimes we have systems in place that are true. I think that I have read stories recently of client demands uh, kind of going up over the last. Oh, I'm not days. saying no to that at all. You know, yeah, that, yeah, okay. that's a so, given. That part's yeah, yeah. a given. You know, I'm saying I even add to that. And I gotcha, wonder if gotcha, other gotcha. people do as well. Yeah, I, I think I think we do. I think we absolutely do. Because we are not only a bit neurotic, but we're a bit competitive. And we also know that there is right now uh, 200, a crop of 200 students at the Emory Law School that are waiting to get our role or our position. And if we slip up, you know, somebody else is going to jump into that role. Uh, so I think that all of those kinds of things get into it. And we feel that the differentiator might be responsiveness or going above and beyond and then not really realizing how it takes a toll on us or, or being able to balance it. You know, the, the folk that I think are the better lawyers when it comes to this learned early on about balance. They had habits and routines that they started and they stuck with. They respond to email at a particular time during the day. They would take their lunch and usually, if they could, not with other people that are in the office, but maybe with family members or people that were important. They were able to, to shut it off in the evening, even if it meant that they had to get it back later on. They were present with family. Those are the ones that, that found a way to make it work and stuck to those habits. And, and it did work for them. And I'm jealous of them oftentimes. But no, I think you're right. Our in, in inherent nature to be responsive, to, to give the solution, to, to jump on a task, to be very competitive, to, to do those things probably complicates it a bit. It's interesting, the lawyer that you describe, you know, taking the time to be with family. I know somebody like that in my law firm, very successful, you know, well-respected partner. And I've always been amazed, like, how did you get there? How do you seem to have such a uh, relaxed, you know, you seem okay when nobody else is okay. I don't understand. And it, it's somehow what you're saying. I know there's a lot of truth to that. It's not mm -hmm. something I've, I'm working on it. Let's say it's a work in progress. I'm mm -hmm. working on it because I have finally understood that while yes to everything about the culture that's externally imposed, right. that there are pieces of this that are internal, the perfectionism, that's another piece, mm -hmm. you know, that many, many, many lawyers share. And again, that same hospital I was in cured me of that when they sent me back to my room with an assignment and the assignment was not to complete the assignment. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And they're like, yep, here's what you're supposed to do and just don't finish it. Huh. And it was the most low tech, fix. I guess, you know, it was fertile ground because I'm sure that wouldn't work with everybody at every moment in their lives. It worked. It huh. worked. That got me over being a perfectionist. I realized that the sky wasn't going to fall in, that the world kept turning and it didn't matter. You know, I, it, I didn't have to be perfect. And then I realized, you know, the rest of that which is of course i'm not perfect i never will be that's right. a quest that's a self-defeating quest right there that just yes, sets is. you up for yep. a lot of stress and and struggle yeah Ch children got me over it <laughs> okay 
whatever works. I don't know why my children, I have to tell, ask them about that, why they didn't get me over that. Um, no, I know they didn't do anything actively. It was being a parent that got you over it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Realizing yeah. that your schedule is oftentimes not your schedule. Uh, so. Yeah. And that being right isn't always the the end all and be all. You know, that that's not where it ends. It's just because you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I love talking to you, Damon. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to add? Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with people? No, I, I other than appreciating the people that are listening to this podcast, because I think that those are folk that are in tune with it. Um, and hoping that they avail themselves of all of the other resources to share and spread the word about the investment that we've made into these wellness programs, the amount of hard work that our volunteers do, volunteers do. And, and I think that that needs to be understood. I, I, I think the fact that the profession, the legal profession is amazing and all of the contributions that lawyers have made to society are spectacular, but it is a component of our being. It's our work. It's the thing that we do. It's not what we are. And so um, continue to, to think and grow through those things, but more important than all of it, please let us know if they have suggestions for improvement or resources or things that we can change. We are not above copying or adding things to our arsenal that would make a difference. And especially in this area where helping the people that I care about so much, Georgia lawyers, that would be an important thing. So so connect with us. Call me. Uh, my, my contact information is available. I'll just chat about things and um, have no problem doing that too so um to avail to avail yourself of the resources is is a big big deal and as i mentioned in an article that i wrote recently where a friend of mine closed out her email to me and just simply said take care of yourselves and so i think that i would leave it with that too to take care of yourselves yeah i'm gonna echo that thank you so much for your time like i said mm -hmm. i always love talking to you I hope you and your family continue to stay safe and well and taking care of yourselves. The same to all of our listeners, and I hope you'll join us again for another episode of Lawyers Living Well. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers Living Well. If you need immediate confidential help, call the LAP hotline at 1-800-327-9631. That's 1-800-327-9631. You can also visit lawyerslivingwell.org for more wellness resources through the State Bar of Georgia. That's lawyerslivingwell.org. We hope you can join us next time.